Okay, thank you very much for coming. Rabbi Alkabaz is going to be speaking. It's going to be based on Chav Dalit of Lukutim Moran, loosely. Loosely. And um, it's an amazing shirt. And at the end, there's a special challenge. So stick around to the end for the signing of PDFs. And also, um, Ariel Weisberg, we have a group. Um, some of us get together and we study different breasts of things. So if you want to put your name on it um, and be in touch, then we can always unsubscribe. And Schwerich to subscribe um, before you unsubscribe. Subscribe, yeah. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and and Schwerich to it's eleven for sponsoring the show tonight. Oh, it should be a big schluss for him. And um, that's it. Huh? Run. Okay, Shalom Wabracha Toronto. Nice to be back at the hometown. Boch Hashem, the Haimish mentioned, the Haimish people, Boch Hashem. So, like he's like Rabbi Daniel said, we're going to uh, open up this year, the, the main topic. And the, the goal is to get to something brand new called the 40 day challenge. Something amazing based on what has been here for already over 200 years. A new Presentation, and I do hope, I do hope you will consider uh, using this challenge, Vizat Hashem, in your Avodat Hashem, and in your pursuit and coming closer to Hashem. We're going to start off with an introduction in order to get to the point we want to get to. Um, we're going to go into a story from the Gemara, an unbelievable story on Masechet Bechorot. It's called The Wise Men of Athens, Savid Ve'atuna, the challenge, the meeting between. Uh, Rabbi Shoben Hananya and the wise men of Athens. If you remember, uh, like 30 years ago, plus Feldheim put out a book called The Juggler and the King, which are the Vilna Gaon's interpretations on the Agaritas, including this amazing Gemara. Of the two, there are three, the biggest Mefarshim who try to go into the story as much as possible is the Vilna Gaon, the Maharsha, and the Maharal. But unknown to the most of the world is Rav Nossin also in the Kutelachot has an unbelievable opening on this story. Why is, why is there a big deal made on this story? Because Rabbi Nachman himself made a big deal of this story. He, in his book, Likutei Moran, from lesson 23 to lesson 31, uh, each lesson is based on one of the challenges between the wise men of Athens and Rabbi Yusha ben Hananya. There's a whole story, and in the middle of the story is these challenges. The Rebbe, Rabbeinu himself, said it would be fitting and proper to explain all the details of the entire story. So Rav Nossin points out that you see was Rabbeinu's wish to really open up the story, but it never happened. This is what prompted Rav Nossin in Likutei Alachot, Hilchot Shabbos, Alachavav, to open up the whole story, the parts that Rabbeinu didn't, Rabbi Nachman didn't touch upon. So we're going to go into the story quickly and to specific points that are related to the challenge that is developed by the Rebbe in Lesson 24. The story in short is like this, that Rabbi Shubin Hananya, who by the way is buried in Tzfat, below the Mikveh Da'ari, if you recall, there's like a steps going down from the Mikveh Da'ari in Tzfat, and you have on the right what was mistakenly until now called the Kev of Hoshea ben Be'eri. Rav Chaim Bital in his time writes that that's in his time also people called it Hoshea ben Be'eri, and he says it's a mistake. That's the kever of Rabbi Shua ben Hananya. Okay? He was called the wise man of the Jewish people. 
because he was very clever and cunning and sharp. And whenever the Yidin, the Jews in Eretz Yisrael, needed a, a, an opening, a salvation, to have a representative to go to the emperor in Rome, from the Roman Empire, he was the one sent. Because he had a good presentation. The emperor loved him. The emperor of Rome found favor in his eyes, Rabbi Shabin Hanania. So once on his many trips, and we'd go for Pidyon Shvuyim, for whatever, so the, the, the emperor asked the following question to, to Rabbi Yosheh bin Hananya. Again, all this is the Gemara Masechet Bechorot. It's one of the few places where the Maharsha sticks out to say that when you see these amazing stories in the Gemara, you should know that all the deepest secrets of the Kabbalah and everything are hidden in the Agadatas of the Shas. In fact, there's a perush that says that the Zohar, the Zohar Kadosh, was opened. One second, please. Something just closed here. Here we go. Okay, it's back here. The Zohar was opened by the Arizal. The Arya Kadosh opened the world of the Kabbalah, opening the deep meaning of the Zohar. And who's going to open up the secrets in the Midrash and the Agadatas? Mashiach. Mashiach's main thing will be to open up what's hidden in all the stories of the Gemara and the Midrashim, to show you what it's, where it's holding. It's on a higher plateau, believe it or not, than the Kabbalah in a sense, because it's a hidden format. Zohar is clear Kabbalah here and here. You don't understand what's going on. The Arizal opens it up. But the Midrash, with stories, and you flipping out to see what's behind the story, this is what's going to be Mashiach's role. In the meantime, Baruch Hashem, Rav Nossin and Rabbi Nachman, they did open up many stories, as you can see in the Kutim Moran, and Rav Nossin's book, the Kutim Alachot. So going back to the story, Rabbi Yishuk, the, the Emperor of Rome asked Rabbi Shobin Hananya, please tell me, how long is the pregnancy period, the gestation period of a snake? So Rabbi Shobin Hananya answered, it's seven years. So he says it can't be. The emperor said it can't be. The, the, the wise men of Athens said it's three years. So he said, <laughs> the, pre the snake was pregnant th four years before, before that. So it's not three years, it's seven years. And so the, em the emperor says, but we see that the snake continues to mate. And like Rashi points out there, it's known that all chayot, behemah chayot, when they get pregnant, they cease to mate unlike human beings. So Rishab al Hananya said, in this the snake is like the human beings. They continue to mate even after. So then he said to him, but with the, those, the wise men of Athens, they're wise. So Rishab says, I'm smarter than them. I'm wiser than them. So he says, if that's so, if so, if that's the case, prove it to me. I want you to go to bring to me the wise men of Athens. Bring them here. He asked Rishab al Hananya, how many are they? Sixty. So he said, okay, prepare for me, please, a ship, a boat, with 60 rooms, and each room containing 60 chairs. So the emperor prepared from that ship, and he set sail with the captain, obviously, to Athens, which is located in Greece, from Rome, in Italy. He arrives in Athens, and he's looking for the college, the academy of the, the Savid Yatun, the wise men of Athens. No one wants to tell him where it is. So he goes to the local butcher, and while he went to the butcher shop, the butcher was in the middle of cutting up an animal, carving an animal. And Rabbi Shobin Khani asked the butcher, how much for your head? Meaning the head of the animal. So he said, half a zuz. So Rabbi Shobin Khani said, fine. He put the money on the counter. He said, so give me your head. So the butcher, the meaning of give me your head is give me the head of the animal. Your head that you own. He cut the animal's head and he brought it on the table. So Rabbi Shobin Khani said, I, I said, your head, not the head of the animal. Now you're stuck. Because like, that was a Mecca, that was a Kenyan in Athens rules. You can't go back on that. That was the deal. He says, you want to get out of this? He says, yes, I want to get out of this. He says, lead me to the entrance of the academy of the wise men of Athens. He said, no, 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 don't ask this of me. 
if they find out that I told you where they are, they're going to kill me. So the, 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 the Rabbi Shabbat Hanya said to him, no problem, I have an idea. Take a bundle of reeds, kinin, you know, like a roll it up, put it on your shoulder, and walk in front of me, I'll walk way behind you, and pretend you're just walking, walking. When you reach the entrance, or the area that's facing the entrance of the academy, stop, pretend you're taking a break, put down the bundle of reeds, like, like pretend like you're schwitzing or whatever, and then continue. I will know that's my indication that that's the entrance. He said, very well. He did that, the butcher. He led him, he showed him, he did the, the whole process, he put down the bundle, he continued walking. And Rabbi Shabbat Hananya found the entrance, he came towards the entrance. What does he see there? He sees guards positioned inside and guards positioned on the outside of the entrance. And he understood why was that the case? Because they were ordered to kill anyone who leaves or anyone who enters. And how could they tell of anybody who leaves or enters? So they had at the, on the mashkof, on the threshold, poured bran, subin, bran. Why bran? Because the footprints are readily, readily noticeable. On, when someone walks on bran, the footprints are really clear. So the wise men of Athens poured bran on the threshold so that they can see if there's footprints going in or going out. That way they know who to kill. The guards on the inside, if there's footprints leading from the academy outside, they would kill the guards on the inside. And if there were footprints going inside, they would kill the guards on the outside. And he understood, he saw the patrol of the wise men of Athens who were checking on the guards that are doing their job, that there's no footprints on the, on the threshold. He understood also they can only kill somebody who passes entirely the entire threshold. So what did Rishab al-Khananya do? He flipped his sandals backwards and he walked backwards on his sandals up to, but not including, the, the, the other edge of the threshold. And they were warning him, go back, we're going to kill you, we're going to kill you, the guards on the, out, the, guards on the inside, because he's walking in footsteps backwards, right? He walked up to the threshold, and then he walked back in his footsteps, and he went outside to see what would happen. When the patrol came of the wise men of Athens, they saw footsteps leading from inside out, so they killed the two guards on the inside. And they left, if they cleaned, they, they swept and cleaned the brand to make it neat again. And they left on the patrol, in the meantime they have to find new guards on the inside. And then when they left, again Rabbi Shemachananya walked with his sandals now, flipped properly. And he walked again, up to the edge again of the threshold. He didn't walk entirely, so the guards couldn't kill him. And then he walked back, and when they came again to the patrol, they saw footsteps going in. So they killed the guards on the outside. So the, the entrance was left temporarily with no guards to watch it. So he's able to go in, he goes into the academy. And he sees the wise men positioned in two sections, the upper level and the lower level. On the upper level, he saw the younger wise men of Athens, and on the ground level were the elders. And he saw that this was a trick, that if he would greet first the elders that were really old on the bottom, the ones on top would say, but we're on the top, we're more mechubad. And then if he would greet the ones on the top were younger, the ones who were old on the bottom would say, but we're the older ones. So he got the trick and he said to them, Shalom Aleichu, Shalom to all of you. He was able to bypass that trick. They said to him, who are you? What do you want and what are you doing here? So he said, I'm the wise men of the Jewish people and I've come to learn from you. They said, okay, very well. We have a few questions to ask of you. We want to challenge you. So he said, very well. Just one second, I just lost connection here. Ah, the bad connection. We try our best. Okay. They, they, they said, we want to ask you a few challenges. He said, very well. If you win me over, you can do with me as you wish. 
But if I win the challenges against you, I ask that all 60 of you come to eat bread with me on my boat, on my ship. So there's about 12 challenges approximately. Okay, and like I said, Rabbi Nachman goes into each lesson, the Kutimran goes into a different challenge. There's two that he left out, fine. Uh, the one we're going to go into goes like this. They asked him, where is the center of the universe? He raised his finger and he pointed right over here. They said to him, Mi'emar, who says that you're correct, that this is the center of the universe. So he said to them, Aitu Ashley Umoshu, bring a rope, a cord, and measure. You'll see that this is the center of the universe, okay? Just to show how ridiculous the arguments were, another funny one, the, one, the funniest one in my opinion, is they brought two pieces of cheese in front of him, and he said, please tell us which comes from the white goat and which comes from the black goat. So he brought two eggs, he says, first you tell me which comes from the white hen and which comes from the black hen, okay? It's funny, when you hear the story, you can't laugh. You, have, you can't resist from laughing because it's ridiculous. Fine. Bikitsir, in short, we're not going to do all the details. He won them, did all the challenges. So they, they agreed. They came to his ship. They, 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 they went after him to his ship. They followed him to his ship. Before he left the actual terrain, the land of Athens, he brought with him a sack, where we should in Hananya, and they filled it up with earth from Athens, from the, from the ground of Athens. And then he led them onto the ship one at a time. He took the first one. He brought him in to the first room. He said, you sit here. And he locked the door. So he's sitting in one of the, 15, the 60 chairs. So what does he assume? Ah, the other 59 chairs are for the other wise men, the other 59 wise men Athens. So he sat there waiting and waiting and getting bored. What happens when you get bored? You start getting dull a bit. You get tired and drowsy and everything. That's what happens when you're waiting so long. He put the second one in the second room and told him the same thing, wait here. He sees also 59 chairs, he assumes they're all coming. And he did that for all the 60 uh, sages, the 60 wise men of Athens, putting them into the 60 rooms, and they're all waiting and waiting and waiting. When they're all on the ship, Rabbi Shubh bin told the, the, the captain, set sail, let's go, let's go. So he set sail, and between Athens and Rome, on the sea, they passed by what's called the Bay Blue A. Bay Blue A is what we call in English an eddy. An eddy is a type of tornado in the sea which sucks up everything. So the ship b passed the edge of the tornado and didn't get sucked into the sea. It just passed the edge. While it was passing the edge, Rabbi Yeshua ben Hananya saw over the sea three images. He saw the image of hands on the head, hands on the heart, and hands behind the back. Okay? And at that point, when the ship passed the edge of the eddy, the Bay Blue A, he took a jug, an empty jug from the ship, and he lowered himself on the edge of the ship, touching the tornado, the water of the tornado, of the eddy, and he filled up water content, not from the sea, but from the water of the tornado of the sea. He took that water, put it in the jug, went back onto the ship. Okay? He gets to, to Rome. He takes the, the 60 wise men who are now very like out of it. He brought them to the emperor of Rome, and he says, here are the 60 wise men of Athens. He sees these people are very like subdued, and heavy and down, and the emperor says, I don't recognize them. You brought maybe people from the Shuk, maybe this is not the ones with Athens. He said, wait a second, and he took the sack that he had of the earth from Athens, and he sprinkled it on the faces of the wise men of Athens. They smelt the scent of their hometown, their homeland, and they woke up and they began again to be Balgaiveniks, and aristocratic, and haughty, and like that. So the emperor said, yeah, these are the, these, I know these guys, these are the wise men of Athens. Now I want you please to kill them, to do away with them. Can you do that? 
He said, yes, I need you to bring to me an empty urn to fill up with water. Bring me an empty urn, please. So they brought him an urn. And then he told the wise men of Athens, if you want to leave here, all you have to do is to fill this urn up with water. And before they did that, he took the jug of water that he had from the eddy and he poured it into the urn. Okay? So now, they brought buckets of water to fill up, to fill up the urn. Every time they put water, however, into the urn, the water from the eddy just swallowed up the water they're putting in. And they couldn't figure it out. Where's it going? Is there all underneath? Where's it going? The water from the eddy content was swallowing up the other water that they kept on pouring in. They couldn't, they couldn't figure this out. This is the Gemara, but this is the Gemara in Bechorot, So they, they couldn't accept something so irrational, so illogical. And they kept on filling it up and filling it up until they all died of exhaustion because they couldn't, they were so against their logic, they couldn't accept it. They, did, they didn't want to accept it, that they agreed to go all the way. They wouldn't be calm until they figured this out, until they get, would get filled with water. And the initial water from the Bay Blue it was just swallowing up the water they kept on putting in until they just died and never got filled up, okay? Rav Nossin and Likuti Alachot, you can see the entire story. It's in Likuti Alachot, Halacha, Shabbat, Halacha, Vav. It's about two, three, four pages. Rav Nossin goes into every detail of the story, okay? It's, in, it's been translated into English even in the BRI edition of Likuti Imran. You can see it there. We're going to go into just two of them until we get to the challenge, which is what we want to get to. Two amazing points that we're going to is the idea of switching the sandals. That he switched the sandals backwards. What's this idea, this concept of switching the sandals? Rav Nossin brings from the Zohar, where it talks about Moshe Rabbeinu going up when he saw the sneh, and he went up. He couldn't, he couldn't figure out the sneh also, Moshe Rabbeinu, the burning bush. So when he got up to the, the mountain, what, what did ha, Hashem tell him? Shal na'alecha me'al raglecha. Take off your shoes. You're standing on holy terrain, holy soil. The Zohar says on the words, Shal na'alecha, da iteta. This is the woman. The concept of physical temptations in Taivis. And Hashem was telling Moshe Rabbeinu, to be where you're standing now, you have to be totally holy, totally parush, totally kadosh v'tahor to be here. Okay? So it shows of Nosen, the idea of a sandal is the idea of kedushat abrit, of, of moral purity. So what's the idea here? There's levels of tzaddikim. The Gemara, if you remember the Gemara in Brachot, that there's a difference between a tzaddik and a tzaddik gamur. What's the difference, the main difference? Is a tzaddik, he's a tzaddik, yeah. But he's scared to face temptation. He's scared to face a test, to run away from a test. Why? Because maybe he might fall, he has a fear. A tzaddik gamur, he has such self-confidence, he's so worked on himself that he can send him any test, he's not afraid. That's a tzaddik gamur. It's a, gemar, it's a known gemar that we all learn the Masach and Brachot, okay, more or less. So Rabbi Nachman in Chaim Moran, he says, also comparison. There are tzaddikim that are compared to leather. That, for example, you buy a brand new leather wallet, you can smell, you can smell the nice leather, the smell of the leather, right? But the more you work at the leather, the more you tan it and work at it, you can lose the smell of the leather more and more and more, okay? So you have other leather, which is like so worked at, has no more scent of the initial leather smell that was there. So too, Dar Tzadikim, they worked on their skin, they worked on their body, on their, on their, their temptations and everything, their midot and everything, but they still have a scent of the Gashmiut, of the physicality, of the Taivis. There's still a scent. 
they haven't fully detached, there's still something there. The tzaddikim, yes, they worked on themselves, they built themselves up, they earned the title of being a tzaddik, but they're not yet there at the level of being a complete tzaddik, okay? There are the tzaddikim that they're so worked on their, their bodies, on their physicality, on their kedusha, there's no more smell of any leather, nothing's left. Clean, totally clean. So going back to Rabbi Shemachananya, Rav Nosset explains, switching the sandals is the idea of a tzaddik working on, his, on himself. The idea of the tzaddik is the idea of shalnalecha, the Zohar says that, that's the physical tavot. What was the inyan? Rabbi Shemachananya saw the guards preventing him from entering the academy of the wise men. That meant what? Ah, if I have enemies in front of my way, that must mean I'm still not a complete tzaddik like I can be. Because the more a person is a tzaddik, the more the enemies of, of, of him fall, right, fall, right, like, fall like that on their own. It's not even to give them a flick even. They, they fall on their own. So he said, if I have enemies in front of me, that must mean I have to work more on myself. Because the more I sanctify myself, my enemies will fall. So he switched his sandals, meaning, Rav Nassan explains, he worked at that time more to develop his midot, more to sanctify himself, to purify himself, and he managed to knock down that the enemy, the enemy themselves killed the guards on the inside. Who killed them? The wise men of Athens, the Sitrachah, the evil killed their own guards. And then there's still the guards on the outside. So again, he switched the sandals. The idea of constantly switching and switching is that the tzaddik works on his leather. He works on tanning and working at the leather until he's even more purified and more holy, more refined, until the other outer guards were also killed. And then he was able to enter it. This is how Rav Nosen explains this part of the story. Let's skip to the, the end. This phenomena of the water sucking in, the Bay Blue A, the water from the eddy sucking in. What is this water sucking in everything? Rav Nosen says, this is the desire for money. Ta'avat mamun. We know the Gemara says, someone who has a hundred wants two hundred. One that has a million, he wants two million. The guy says, you know, when I hit my million, I'm leaving, I'm going to Eretz Yisrael, I'm going to go to Kola and everything. He hits the million, he gets a call, you know, there's a, there's a new prospect in Mansi, it's a two million dollar project and everything. Why don't you invest? And the Yitzhara says, and he goes in. Because one who has a one million, he wants two million, <laughs> okay? It never gets satisfied. The idea of Nelson says that they kept on pouring water in, it just got sucked in. That's a person thinks he can misapek, he can satiate the ta'ava for money, and it never happens. That was what Nelson says, the three images he saw over the water. The hands over the head, the hands on the heart, and the hands behind the back. The hands on the head is the, the initial attack of the Yetzirah when it comes to Parnassah. What are you going to do if you learn all day? Who's going to make Parnassah high take care of your family if you're just learning all day and learn, or, or, or take more time to learn and more time to daven? It's the rationale, the logic. How are you going to make it? How are you going to do that? Okay? Most people fall at that stage. But the people who are determined said, well, I'm going to waste my life just working all day. I'm not going to daven, not going to learn Gemara. I'm, not, I'm, not gonna, I'm never going to become my potential. That's my whole goal here. I'm going to be stuck like this. So people, there are some people who pass the test, some people don't. Those who pass the test, next stage, hands on the heart. What's hands on the heart? The emotions. Now, that was the brain. Now, the emotions. Look, you can't pay your bills now. Look what's happening now. How are you going to have food for Shabbos now? Look, you, look what you caused yourself. You, you didn't now invest, sell your life to go to work for 24-7. And look what happened now. Now you can't make it in life. How are you going to do? And look at your kids. You can't even buy your daughter the new dress for Shabbos that she wanted. So the emotions, the emotions, the hands on the emotions, the attack on the emotion. Nonetheless, there are those who are able to pass that test. I'm going to go off just for one second. There's a famous, famous story of two families who came to Ellis Island together from Eastern Europe. 
Okay, I think you may have heard it many times, the story even from me. And they both came at a time when it was almost impossible to keep Shabbos in America. You, if you didn't show up for work Saturday morning, you lost the job. The day off was only Sunday, that's it, right? And even some places, even Sunday they worked, seven days a week, whatever. Monday, you had to find a new job, okay? So there were two families, we're going to work on Shabbos, so they kept hopping from job to job, and as they're hopping from job to job, because they don't show up to work on Shabbos morning, and on Monday they, they got fired, they had to find a new job, so there's another X on the job opportunities, and there's too many X's, too many X's, and you're running out of opportunities. So they reached the point, you know, how much can you hold on, shifting to new jobs every week, and even the next week, you don't find a job immediately, it takes a day or two to find, and you have an interview, and until they accept you, so you may start working maybe Tuesday or Wednesday, you didn't start exactly on Monday, and then you don't show up again after three days, right? So the two families had a similar test. They reached a point when they couldn't do the Shabbos meal, there was not enough money to buy even basic challah. There wasn't sakanat nefashot pikuach nefesh, but it wasn't to have minimum to make Shabbos, Minimum Shabbos. So one family couldn't stand his children crying, Abba, where's the, where's the, where's the little piece of gefilte fish? Where's the little piece of chicken? Where's the little, where's the challah? You know, we have nothing. And the father was so broken, he couldn't handle the emotional stress that the next week he did work on Shabbos. And 10 years down the line, he lost all of his kids, assimilated, not gun. Next generation, intermarriage, lost, finished. The other family, he was strong. He had the same test, where again, there was nothing for the Shabbos table. And he told his kids, my Yingle, my children, this Shabbos, Hashem wants us to sing. This Shabbos, we're just singing and praising Hashem. And he took his kids on his laps, on his lap, and he did this miracle with them with such love and joy. The kids, they forgot about being hungry for the Shabbos Chal and everything. He had miracles, he had breakthroughs. And he ended up that his kids went into religious Torah institutions. He succeeded in passing on the flame of the Torah. And that had a continuity. What was the idea? He passed the test of the emotional stress. The hands on the heart. What do you can look what you can do with this and that? Look what's happening. It's in front of you. It's not like an, a, a, a sechel, what's going to be. It's actually happening in front of your eyes. And there are those people who pass that test. The third level of the hands behind the back is the worst. That's the killer of us and says. What's the hands behind the back? Or a person, he now dedicates himself more to Torah and Tefillah and living a life as a Yid, more investment in the Kedusha, the world of the Kedusha. But then 10 years pass, 20 years pass, and he feels, I got nowhere, look at me. I'm still with my Tivus. I am still like my belly is still there. The way I eat didn't get better, it got even worse. I'm not refined like I thought I would become by the, by the Torah. I thought I would become a better person. Where am I holding? What happened? You got nowhere. That's what tells a person, look what happened to you. You invested your whole life in Torah and Mitzvot. Where are you? Hands behind the back as if to say, you got nowhere. You, you accomplished nothing. Hands behind the back. You got nowhere. That's the hardest test. That where the morale of the person, of the futility, that the Yetzirah drives the person crazy, which is wrong, because the real truth is, person has to look at the good. It's just the nature of a person to look dark. The Al-Sheikh HaKadosh, he says, that Hashem designed the human being, the human eye, that the pupil that we see from is black, it's dark. Why? Because the natural tendency of a human being is to look at things negative and dark. That's the normal. Norm is to look everything black and dark. We have to work to being positive, to work to find this. It doesn't come by itself. You can't say, oh, that family, they were so happy. No wonder the kids, the kids are happy and everything. No, you have to work for it. I'm sorry. 
No one comes starting on the silver platter with the happiness and everything. You gotta work on it. You gotta work on it. Alright? So this is the hardest test of the hands behind the back, okay? What we want to go into tonight is the main challenge here. Where they said to him, Where is the center of the universe? And like we said, the Gemara said, Zakfait's Bata, he raised his finger, he said, right over here. And they said to him, Who says, Miyamar? And he said, Aitu Ashle Umoshko, bring a measuring cord and you will see that I'm right. Umoshko, measure and you'll see that I'm right. So Rabbi Nachman opens it up like this in lesson 24. He says that they were asking him, Em Tsa'uta de Alma, what is the center of the world of the universe? You would think Yerushalayim, because we know that Yerushalayim is the center of the universe, of the world. But more than that, what shines into Yerushalayim is what's called the infinite light, the Or Ein Sof. The Or Ein Sof is the center of the universe. Why? Because everything in this existence, in this physical world, any light you see in this world, comes from the infinite light. Look at the word for Or, light. Gematria, Aleph is 1, Vav 6, that's 7, Resh 200, 207. Exact same Gematria as Ein Sof, Ein Sof, infinite one, is exactly 1, 6, 50, 60, 6, 80, 207 also. That any light coming down to a person in this world is coming from the infinite light. Whenever anyone, the Goim even, any ambition and drive a person has any light a goal that a person makes to open a business to get married to buy a house to have children and the Kedusha to finish Shas to get up every morning nets to work on myself to work on my Mido to work on Shemot on the Kas not never again I'm never, I'm never in the fountain area right any drive that a person has as a goal who's pushing that drive the Ensof Hashem it's just that we don't see that because the Ein Sof can't be visible in this world. Because if this world would have a revealed expo exposure to the Ein Sof, it would disappear. Because this world is 180 degrees opposite the Ein Sof. It's called Olam. Olam is from the word Ha'alama, concealment. Okay? It's a concealment. It's concealing the infinite lights. Two, two opposites. Okay? Our job as Yidin is by doing mitzvot, we connect this world to the infinite light. We spoke about this in the class last night. I'll just mention it again for those who were there. The word mitzvah has hidden in it yudke vavke. The vavhe of mitzvah is from the vavke of yudke vavke. And the mem tzaddik, if you do what's called atbash, the gematra atbash, we take the 22 letters of the Hebrew alphabet and you fold them into two, 11 here, 11 here, so that the first letter corresponds to the last letter. So aleph is now tav, bet is shin, gimel is resh. In that format, mem corresponds to yud, yes, and tzaddik corresponds to hey. Having here Yudke Vavke. We don't have the Mem Tzadik Yudke revealed because Yudke of Yudke Vavke is really the, the part of the Ein Sof Baruch Hu. In the Kabbalah, Yudke is called the Ein Sof Revelation in this world. It can't be revealed in this world, so we covered up Mem Tzadik. Which means, though, our connector to reveal Hashem's presence, the infinite light in this world, is doing the mitzvot. It's not exaggeration to say that when you hold tefillin in your hands, you put on tefillin, you mamash are connecting to Elokut, godliness. The famous statement that you all know, Oraita, Yisrael, Bekutsha, Brichu, Kolachad. We're all one. The Torah, Am Yisrael, and Hashem, we're one. Torah being, the goal of Torah is the mitzvot, the performance of the Torah. It's one of Hashem. That means it's, this is Kutsha, Brichu. Yes, Lulav and Etchog in its right time. Not its wrong time. You know the joke. There was a Rav Nassim once saw a chassid, davening shacharis, with such energy, but at two in the afternoon. So Rav Nassim said, it's like having a beautiful Etchog for Hanukkah. <laughs> Okay. Mitzvot, when done within the parameters of halacha, 
are accessing Yudke Vavke. Yes, it's mamash godliness you're holding. You do a mitzvah, you know you're within the parameter. Parameter zalacha means bediavad also shadachak ones. You know there's a chachila, but you know you're within the parameters of halacha. You are activating Yudke Vavke. Phenomenal. That's the mitzvah. That's the mitzvah. You bring down the light of Yudke Vavke into the world. Okay, but it requires work to do that. Okay. They asked him now, where is the center in the universe? Or in Sof itself? Because now the mitzvah is connecting this world to Hashem, and the driver of every human being is when there's light in his life, he runs after it. The classic example is Har Sinai, right? Hashem told Moshe Rabbeinu, Hagbel Tahar, I want you to put a wall around Har Sinai. Why? Rashi brings down, if you remember in Parashat Yitro, that when the Jews will see Hashem coming down on Har Sinai, what's going to happen with the Yidin? The intensity is going to be so powerful, they're just going to drop everything and run towards it. Because the, the, the Zohar says, like this, It's the tendency, it's the nature of the human mind to run after the infinite light. Anytime a Jew or a person sees light in their life, so it's automatic they drop everything and run to it. That's what they want. People need light in their life because if there's no light, there's only darkness. So it's a tendency when a Jew has exposure to spiritual light, yes, that the tendency is to run to it, but they can't reach it. There's a wall. There's what's called the prisa, a wall that doesn't let a person touch to it. Why? Because if they do connect to the infinite light, they'll disappear. Avita tehila mi gushe afar mi from the pew team of the Yamim Noraim. Hashem wants to be praised from dafka, the physicality of this world. Hashem created this world so that mankind should reveal Hashem from within the concealment. We said in yesterday's class, I'll say it again, the famous Gemara, that in time to come, there will be no more Chagim, only Purim. Purim is only Chag. Why? Because the difference between other Chagim is Zecher Litziat Mitzrayim, which was open miracles. You're not going to believe if you see 10 makot and the splitting of the Red Sea. Of course you're going to believe, right? You see big miracles, of course you're going to believe. There's no question. What's the chidush? When you see on the timing of Achashverosh and Mordechai and Amman and Esther, the whole timing and the sequence of the Megillah Esther, you have to be blind not to see Dashgacha Pratit. There's no mention of Hashem even once in the Megillah, yet you see from beginning to end Hashem's role in the story, right? So for Hashem, it is the biggest accomplishment that went from Teva He's revealed. Rabbi Nachman said, when Mashiach comes, he's not going to even shoot a single bullet, a single missile. He'll have the whole world under his feet within the powers of nature. Just by davening and his koach of speech, he's going to have the whole world on his feet. No open miracles and boom, bam, and this, and flying in the air. Forget it. That's not needed. The greatness of Mashiach is that he's able to use the Teva itself to reveal Hashem at the highest capacity while still within the Teva. And that's what Hashem wants. Hashem wants that in the olam, the concealment, to be revealed from within the olam. That's the biggest accomplishment. So the infinite light, going back, the Zohar says, there's a, a prisa, a wall, a mechitza. It's called the keter in the Kabbalah, the sphere of the keter. Okay? So it's, it, it, it stops showing that you don't see where it's coming from, but continues from behind after the wall. So all the shefa coming down is after the wall. They were asking the wise men of Athens, how is it possible for a person to bypass this wall, meaning even though he's in a physical existence, he can still tap into the infinite light itself? Because the Zohar says, it continues, that nonetheless, 
a person can connect to the infinite light in a format called mate vela mate, which means touching and not touching, reaching and not reaching, in and out. There's a format that a yid is in and out, and he in that way can perceive the greatest perceptions. Okay? This, the in and out, by the way, he says afterwards, Rabbi Nachman, in that lesson, it's when a person has setbacks in life. He's advancing, he has a goal, he's determined, and then all of a sudden, something happens. If it's a Shalom Bayit issue, a Chinuch issue, a health issue, or an, uh, uh, a drive issue of, of the Ratzon, things all of a sudden sidetrack him in life. Everyone, like Rabbi Nutam says in Sefer Yashar, everybody eventually in life gets hit. Some people when they're young, some people in the middle age, some people at the end, but everybody goes through a Nisayon in life. No one is exempt. Why is that? Because this is what builds a person, life's experiences, and the attitude a person has when he's pushed back, this will determine his success in tapping into levels of awareness of Hashem, that even if you were to learn Shas and Poskim a million years, it won't be enough to perceive this attitude. Life itself brings the biggest Musar and Havana of Yiddishkeit and God more than anything else. But what's the key? How you took it, the bounce back. Okay, he says in the lesson, the key is Simcha. When a person works a lot on Simcha, when he is faced with a setback, he takes it properly, as opposed to the guy who's concerned of advancing, advancing in the light and the thing, and then when he gets pushed back, he feels like so abandoned by Hashem, they crash. Most people, for example, you see this classic, a lot of Balchuvas, a lot of converts who come, they start flying, flying super high, and then they get crashed. Where are they? The guy had beard and piss and everything, and then the guy's no longer keep a skinhead, earrings, what happened? What happened? You were one day a Malach, and now you're a Galach. That's the expression, right? One day Malach, one day Galach. What happened? Because the, the, the crash was so intense by the person because he didn't know how to take it. The crash is inevitable. The down is inevitable. The person takes it into a, turns it into a crash because of his attitude. They didn't have the simcha strong enough to know that this is part of the growth. This is part of the, pro the process to come close to Hashem. And how I take this will be good. We, we bought tonight the 7-Up drinks because they say I have a joke in Eretz Israel. It's a breast of drink. 7-Up. Sheva Yipot Tzadik Vakam. 7 up, you got it? That's a breast of doing, okay? That we're experts in knowing how to get back up. That's what we're that's what's demanded of us of a year, okay? What? Seven up, you're fine. Also in Yiddish, untake fart hope. Hope in Yiddish is to be happy. Hope, you know that word in Yiddish? Hope? Untake fart hope, right? Am I correct? It's in Ravlosin's letters. Untake untake fart hope. So seven hope, up, hope. You got it? Okay? Fine. So they asked him, going back to the wise men of Athens, how does a person succeed in perceiving the infinite light, tapping in, even in the format of matei vila matei in and out, how does a person succeed in connecting the infinite light? He raised his hand, raised his finger, and he said, through the concept of the hands, through the finger, which is the hands, and the hands, Rabbi Nachman teaches the concept of bracha, because all bracha come down, to the hands, classic example, Bukat Kohanim, Parashat Shmini, on Rosh Chodesh Nisan, inauguration of the Mishkan, what does it say? Vayisa Aaron et Yadav, I think it's El Ha'am, Vayvarchem, Aaron raised his hands to the Am, and blessed them. From that Pasuk, Masechet Sota, within all the laws of Bukat Kohanim, right, they have to have the hands sticking out, Vayisa, Vayisa is raising, has to be at least on face level, not lower, right, there's all the Halachot in the Shukhan Aruch, from the Gemara and Masechet Sota, on, that, on this Pasuk, fine. So this idea, 
of bracha. The hand is the channel for the bracha. And when a person activates bracha, which, how does a person activate bracha? By being besimcha, okay? Then he activates the idea of the bracha. And bracha, when a person has bracha, the main bracha is called birkata sechel. The main bracha is to know Hashem. King Shlomo, Hashem told Hashem, you have a choice. What do you want? I want to give you a blessing. I want to give you something. What do you want? Do you want wealth, riches? What does Shlomo Amar say? I want chokhmah, wisdom. He wants the wisdom of Hashem. Hashem gave him that. He was smart. Because when you have 200, you have automatically 100. When you have sechel, you have everything. Pekavot, remember? Dat kanita, machasarta, dat chasarta, makanita. If you have dat, you have everything. If you don't have dat, you have nothing. What do you have? So a person who's wise will direct the bracha to be the intellect, to know Hashem, to heighten your awareness of Hashem. So he's saying through the hands, which is bracha, we activate what's called the bracha of the sechel, intellect. Just to explain one more point, the Zohar, Tikkun Zohar says on the word Baruch, Bet, Resh, Vav, Chaf, stands for the four, four following words. Birkot, Rosh, Umekor, Kol. The blessings of the mind, of the head, which is the blessing of intellect, and is the source, umekor, call of everything, the source of everything. This is the main bracha a person can have in his life, is the wisdom of Hashem. And what does it mean, the wisdom of Hashem? To know that Hashem sends me exactly what I need in life. I don't have to cry and plot, oh, I don't have this, I don't have that. When you have that, that kanita machasarta, what are you lacking? When you know that Hashem loves you and He sends you exactly what you need, and you believe it, and you have that, not just believe it, you see it, you have that yediya, you have the brach of the sechel, you have everything. That person, he has a 50 square meter house, he's happy. He doesn't need now four, four, four floors and then three garages and four Lamborghinis. He's okay. He's all right. He can handle whatever Hashem sent him. There's only bread and hummus today. I'm, I'm the happiest person in the world. Okay? A person has the dot to know that Hashem loves him. That's the greatest dot. Not just the idea of the Torah, the idea that Hashem loves a person has compassion. The Rachmanut, Rachamav al Kol that's the biggest, the biggest accomplishment, okay? So, that's the biggest bracha. He raised his hands to say that point. That this is the, this to the hands. They said to him, it's going to restart the video here. It was off all this time. They said to him, who says, Mi Yemar? What does it mean, who says, Mi Yemar? Rabbi Nachman says, Yemar is like the word in Parashat Bechukotai, Tmura, Ve'im Hamer Yemirinu, Tmura, an exchange. Meaning what? Me, who has the audacity, the courage, to go into Yemar. Yemar is called the exchange... Recording in progress. Thank you. It's called the exchanged chambers. Hechalat Tmurot is this concept in the Kabbalah and the Zohar, yes? That Yetzirah, he's called the exchanged chamber. Why? Because the Yetzirah, how does he get at people? How does he get people? By tricking them. You know, if you see an open Esau, with your stop over the guns and the... Like that, you know he's your enemy. You're going you're gonna to run away. You're going to take off. The Yetzirah comes, Rabbi Nachman teaches with a big shtraimel, and he comes big with the Gishmak, and he comes from within to make a person fall. That's why he's so deadly. He fools a person. He switches truth to Sheker. Right? Holy to unholy. Permissible to forbidden. How did the snake get Chava? You know, it wasn't exactly like this. It was like that. And you don't believe me. <laughs> right? How did the Nachash convince Chava? But it wasn't exactly that he said. 
all the all the all the Indian, the the the, the kuntzim and that. That's how I was able to, to get her and get out of Marishon. That's how the etzara works. It's called hechalat murot, and the main exchange of the etzara is to get a person to be sad, because simcha is the key for everything else, right? The Litvish people always ask the breast livers, you know, mitzvah gedola, the b'simcha, where? Where does it say? Mitzvah gedola, the b'simcha, I see the target mitzvah, and not once does it say, it's a mitzvah to b'simcha. Where do you breast livers make up this thing, mitzvah gedola? There's mitzvah, and there's mitzvah gedola. The mitzvah gedola is hinted to in Parashat Kitavo, Parashat Kitavo, 98 curses, Moshe Benu lists there, terrible things, eating your children, all these terrible things, and then it says at the end, all this will come a person to person, tachat asher, lo avadetem, et Hashem elokechem, besimcha, uvtuv levav, all this comes to a person because you didn't serve Hashem, besimcha, the verse does not say, all this is happening because you didn't serve Hashem, period, which would make sense, all this you didn't serve Hashem, you get punished, no, the verse didn't say that, it says you didn't serve Hashem, besimcha, you're serving Hashem, yeah, bravo, but not besimcha, which means what? If you do something not out of simcha, the push gets the shove, a person drops it. Rashi says that. When a person serves Hashem out of yira, you squeeze him a little, I don't need this, right? I don't need this. We're going, this we're going to go into tonight, Bezat Hashem, this concept of the yira, false yira, the yira that breaks a person, okay? So they said to him, Mi emar, the way to enter the world of bracha is a person has to go down they push a person back to taste the infinite light, and he's about to, re- he has the bracha, but then the next stage to receive the light, that we said earlier, they push a person back into the domain of the klipa. The person is thrown. What, how does the person feel? He's in emotion mode. What did Hashem do to me? What did I do wrong? Things were so good. My family was so nice. Everything was Amish. Why did Hashem take this away from me? Why did Hashem do this? But what did I do wrong? I was, I was sincere, Hashem. I was trying to live, to, do a, to, to live a good life, to be a good person. Why did you do this to me? What did I do wrong? person starts having a lot of bilbulim in Sveikot because of the Hechalat that they, They're able to, to make a person convinced and believe that, that this is coming from Hashem. That like, this is wrong. It's a thought process happening with... with input from the etzara, look at this happening to you, look at this happening, the negativity leading a person to feel bad and guilty and what happens in most cases, people drop it all together so this is Mi'emar, the way to get out Rabbi Nachman teaches, is Simcha they asked him, in order to tap into the infinite light, which is the goal every person wants in life they have now the bracha activated, but then they get pushed back, and they go to the domain, Myanmar, they get into the domain of the exchange chambers. Who has the courage to get out of that? Because it's dangerous there. How do you get out of the exchange chambers? If a person's stuck there. If everything's being exchanged, and you're, 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 how do you get out? So we answer them, Aitu Ashley Umoshu. You yourselves will bring, bring a rope and measure. Meaning what? Aitu, you in time to come. When Mashiach will come, and everyone, the Jews from Toronto, will come back here to Israel, like everybody else, right? It's going to be such a simcha. I too, it says there the psukim that we read two weeks ago in the Haftarah from the Zayin de Nechamata, but Sabim or the Jews will come back in fancy carriages. Today means like the nice Delta airplanes and the jumbo jets when they come back in nice first class situations going there to Israel. Okay. So I too, you yourselves, the goyim, you the wise men of Athens, the Sitracha, the evil, the goyim by extension, will be the ones to bring us back, and that will be the destruction of you guys. Moshchu, Rabbi Nachman teaches, Moshchu means limdod, limshoch in Aramaic is to measure. 
and the word medida measurement appears in Shmuel Aleph, where King David took the Moabites, he, he slaughtered the Moabites. He, the, 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 the Psukim in Tanakh say he measured them, he laid them on the ground, and he measured, was modded, vaymadedem, and then he killed them. He cut them into half. So that's the idea. Rabbi Nachman says that Medina means to kill. He said to them, Rabbi Shimon said, You in time to come will be the ones to bring us back. That's when there will be such simcha, and that will be destroying you. That doesn't answer the question. Well, how did he answer the question? So we explained in the last night's class, we'll go over it again, that the only way to get out of the exchange chambers is a person has to force himself to be happy. Because the, the exchange chambers, their job is to make a person sad, lethargic, futile, negative, down, depressed. That is the job of the Yitzhara. When he got that to a person, he, he won. Like the Gemara says, and also Rabbi Nachman teaches this, the Yitzhara is not so concerned of a person doing an Avera as he is the aftermath, the after effect of the Avera, which is the ensuing chasishalom, sadness and depression. That's what the Yitzhara wants to get to. That's what he wants to get to. That's the goal. Because again, the, the curses of life come, come to a person where there's no simcha. He's not serving That's the opening for all these curses, all these punishments, because the person begins to become slackening. He's not happy. He begins to depress. He sits in bed. He doesn't want to tell him. He's out of it because he's depressed. He's sad. Okay? So the answer is that we have to borrow the, the simcha from the future. That's what he's teaching. In time to come, there'll be such simcha, that simcha is what I need to activate in my life today. The simcha of the future is the only way I can face my challenges, my difficulties, my setbacks, and yet be happy. Because if I try to be happy from the situation itself, the trauma of the situation is so overwhelming, it just sucks me in. Whenever I have a trauma and I try to find a good in it, I just, I just think about it, the mind goes blank, the person can't even think, because this bothers him, I can't believe he said that to me, I can't believe she said that to me, and the lawyer, and this and that. The person gets so caught up in what's called the mochin, the katnu, the constricted mentality of the situation, he can't be happy. So what's needed? A person has to take a break, he has to tap into happiness from a higher level, and elsewhere, a higher level of energy, and with this built-up simcha, which in our case is the simcha of the future, then he's able to face the challenges of life, okay? This is how Rabbi Nachman and Rabbi Nossin explain this amazing point here, this, this, this little challenge. What, we, what sticks out is the Mi'emar, the Echalat Mu'ot, the exchange chambers. Rabbi Nossin says the main attack is what's called false fear. In other words, false fear of punishment. He says most people crash today, from people crash. Rabbi Nossin saying this 150 years ago. It's unbelievable how it's so relevant today. You have people, they're so hard on themselves. You know, there's your ta'onish. You're going to burn. You're going to this. A person now, he stumbles. He missed a day. He crashed. He did something terrible. Okay? And the Yetzirah tells him what? You know, it says in the Torah, this and this and this. You're going to regret it. You're going to do bad and everything. Classic, even more classic example, if you want to be practical. The case of off the derech children, it's when the parents are too tough on their kids, Right? You know, get up already, this and this. I don't want you. I want, I, if you're going to do this, I don't want you anymore. If you can't connect, you can't follow Hashem minimally in this and that, you have no place in my life anymore. In other words, the Yirat Ha'onesh is now, it's supposed to be positive. It's supposed to be what's called Yirat Hashem Tosif Yamin. It's supposed to add days. Instead, it pushes people off. It pushes people off. That's not Yirat Shemaim. 
Your Shemaim is supposed to bring you closer, not to push you off. You use the Torah to get people pushed off when the world is going on. Rav Nosan asks, what happened? This is how the Yetzirah is able to get people. He uses the Torah itself to knock them. Minei Ubei. Minei Ubei. From the Torah itself, he gets people. The Torah has some Chaim, an, an elixir of life, and has some Mavit also. The Torah itself, that's how the Yitzhak gets the people. That's the Hechalat Mot. He uses the Torah. Look at you. You're such a failure. You're never going to make it. You never become a Rosh Hashiva. You're never going to finish us. You're never going to become somebody. You're never going to have a nice Shalom Bite family. You're never going to be normal. You're never going to lose weight. You're never going to be nice and able for your kids. It's never going to happen. Just stop already. And look at you. You're just worse and you're going to be punished. And this, he uses the Yira for bad. That's not your Chemayim. That's not, the, that's not the purpose. It's not the purpose. It's the, if Rabbi says, it's just the opposite. If I am so bad as you, Yetzirah, are telling me in my head, so just the opposite. If that's the case, I do have to get up. I have to start again. Because Yetzirah is trying to tell a person, take a vacation already. Stop trying to be such a firm person and to, have to hold on in Munah. Just be like everybody else. Everybody gave up. Like we said, I say, everybody's Tisha B'Av. You go on TTC, everybody's... <laughs> the world society is uh, everybody's sad. Good morning, sir. Yeah. Good morning. Tisha B'Avay. Good morning, sir. Good morning. Everyone's no one's no one's happy. No one's happy because the era by us it's it's negative. It's being used in the wrong format. You're supposed to bring people close with it, and instead it's pushing people farther. That's the hechalat. That's the biggest. Rav Nosson says hechalat mura. What can I do to be safe from this? Because Yetzirah is attacking with these ideas, using the Torah itself. The cl- another classic example, right? The guy, he's aimed to trying to wake up for nets every morning. This is a simple example, right? He sets an alarm clock for nets. And instead of waking up for nets, not only does he not make it for the second minyan and the third minyan, and so forth, he wakes up like 10 in the morning. So Yetzirah says, you're good for nothing. He says it to himself, you're good for nothing. You're nobody. You're never going to make it. Just use it. Why? Why? Why are you good for nothing? Because you didn't wake up for nets. I'm using the year itself of the Torah and using it to attack you. The person's subconscious, the Hechalat Murat is doing it. How to get out? Rav Nassim says, this is why today, more than ever before, people need tzaddikim in their lives. You ask, why do I need tzaddikim? Why does Hasidim drive us not with a tzaddik and a rabbi? Why do I need a tzaddik? I learn Torah, I'm now in Shas, I have my Shiva system, I have Rebbeim to explain the Gemara, we go into it, we learn. I have the life of the Torah, the light of the Torah. Why is that not enough? It's not enough because the challenges we face today are so deathly crazy that the traditional Torah that we're facing is, yes, not enough to attack, for the tax. Proof is, look who's falling off. Look what's happening the past 200 years. Since Mendelssohn and the Haskalah reform, look what's happening. The majority of Jews in the world don't know Shema Yisrael. They don't know any, any Kesha and Yiddishkeit. The majority of Jews in the world are still not religious. We're still a minority. In Israel, in North America, we're still a minority. Those who believe, and even those who believe, they have their daily tests. Most of them are just the pain and the negativity. They just try to hide it. It's inside. They try to pretend that they're happy, but they're being eaten inside. We need Sadiqi. Rabbi Nachman teaches in Chaim Oran that before Hashem brings down, gives the okay to allow tzaddikim to come down to this world. So you can manage with what's called the traditional status quo Torah tradition from generation to generation. It's enough. That's how we held on until now and we can continue to hold on. But when Hashem gives the green light for big neshama to come down, it becomes impossible 
to stand up to the choshech, the correlating, accompanying choshech that comes down into the world. Also, why? The theory of Einstein's theory of relativity. For every positive force, there's a negative force. Okay? If now a big tzaddik who can enlighten the world comes down, it comes with it a choshech, so thick, so dark, that it's impossible to be saved from that choshech without connecting to the tzaddikim. So Avnosan writes, yes, you try traditional mode of Torah, let's see if it works. It works for one of every hundred. So you say, okay, I'm happy about one of the hundred. Yeah, what if it could have been more? What if it could be me, 20 of a hundred who made it, or 30 or 40? Why not you bring it down to only one of a hundred? Make it better. Let it be more accessible. How? That's why there's tzaddikim. What do the tzaddikim do? They know how to understand the year of the Torah and use it to help a person, not break a person. When a person is surrounded by tzaddikim, his life is involved with tzaddikim, so no matter what he goes through, so they're always sending him a message. We're not talking about a person now who does bad things and I have a tzaddik to rely upon. It's okay, I have this tzaddik. We're talking people who are sincere, who are honest, who are really trying, and they have setbacks. The best person can have a setback. The best bachorim of yeshiva, I'm sorry to say I was in a certain yeshiva in America that I learned, and the best bachorim of the senior year, they confided with me that they had palms in Pagama Brit. They didn't tell anybody else, but we were bachorim, and I heard this from them. The, uh, <laughs> you flipped out. They were getting the award of the bachor of the year, the best learner and everything, the best midot, but he had problems in the brit, which we know the Torah says, the whole brit, the end of the brit, it's gematria 612 of the word itself, 613. Without brit, you have nothing. If there's no kedusha the brit, all the Torah is going to the other side. It's like the, the Zohar says, it's megaleh razeh la taking the secrets of the Torah and throwing it to the, to the other side, chas So, what's needed is access to tzaddikim who give a person hope, who know to take the message of the Torah and not break a person with it. When a person's alone, then the yira becomes lira'ah. The yir shemaim, the yir tached, yir ta'onesh, breaks a person, because he's negative himself. Look at you, you didn't wake up. Look, you didn't do this. I should have done this, should have done that. Look at my kids turned out. If I was only more like this, if I just did an extra half an hour on Avotu Banim, they wouldn't have turned like this. A person has all these things that he's guilty and guilty and guilty and negative. But was that the, is that the solution? It happened now. Now And now you're just worse off, Chas Shalom, until you reach a point where you just... They, they have a joke. When does the Baal Tshuva switch from being a Baal Tshuva to a Baal Bait? When he starts talking in Chazrat Hashatz. That's the indicator that he, that he went over, that he doesn't care anymore, Chas Shalom. He lost that yira. What happened that yira? The guilt a person has from falling so many times in life begins to overpower, overcome, overwhelm a person until he, he loses it. What's the way out? The way out is that there are tzaddikim who shine, they master, they, they, they made it. They went through all these tests and they seven up, they kept on getting up. That's why they made it. They're on top because they went through exactly what we're going through, but they didn't just crash. Most of us, when we go down, let's take vacation, that's it, I'm on vacation, let me stay down until the next up comes and the next chag, the next chag. They have, you know, there's, uh, there's, there's intermission times of the year. There's like after Hanukkah, there's the dark period until Purim. Purim, all right. And then pour him until Pesach, okay? Well, it's not so much for Pesach, it's only, it's only 30 days. But then Shavuot, Shavuot until, there's a big down from Shavuot until Rosh Hashanah, you have Tisha B'Av, summer vacation, everyone's brain is just blogged, they're clogged, and they eat, whatever. We have excuses to be down, not on time for davening, not this. A person gives an opening for the Yehush, the despair in life. So what is the solution? It's the idea of a tzaddik. It's hinted to itself in the story. Rabbi Shobel Chananya, 
they asked him, how does a person connect to the infinite light? So he said, he raised his finger. He said through this, why did Rabbi Shubh say to them, simply, through the concept of the fingers, of the hands, which is bracha, why does the Gemara say he had to illustrate and stick up his finger? Because he, Rabbi Shubh is the epitome, he's a classic example of a true tzaddik. That's the whole story in this Gemara they went through. Switching the sandals twice, his enemies following, okay? He's a good example of a good of a tzaddik gamur, yes. So he lifted up his finger to show us that the tzaddikim who mastered this whole tactic and this, this thing, being, made it, they made it. How does that help us? You need a tzaddik in your life to shine you this guidance. Their Torah, their teachings, their advice. This is how a person can hold on. This was the class. Okay, Everything we spoke about tonight from A to Z is taken from Rabbi Nachman's lesson 24. You saw most of what I spoke about in what you saw. Okay, It's in this amazing lesson called 24. I present to you guys who weren't here yesterday, what we spoke about yesterday, a 40-day challenge. What is this 40-day challenge? Rabbi Nachman's book, Hilikutei Moran, is something very special, very unique, in that it, is, it, it, it's, it comes to life. When you're learning it, things, yes, begin to change based on the learning. It's fascinating. This happens with all Torah, Mehmet, with Gemara, Mishnah, Chumash, the Iyun, but you don't see a direct connection unless you have tzaddik eyes, x-ray eyes that you can see, right? With the Torah and what's happening in life. You have to work hard to see in the Daf Yomi how it's connected to daily living. You need a lot of siyat deshmaya to see the Ramazim on the Daf as it's connected to, to what's happening in my life today. Tzaddikim have those eyes, but the average person doesn't. Chassidut, on the other hand, is where they take the Torah and they bring it to you so that you can see what's actually happening in the world. This is especially true by Rabbi Nachman's teachings. And the more you learn them, the more they become activated in your life. It's something phenomenal. However, it's not enough. A person also needs the next stage, which is to daven about. Everything comes completed through speech. Tefillah. Tefillah is what completes the person's whole journey in serving Hashem from koach el from potential to actual. It's the faculty of prayer, right? Nafshi yatsa The nefesh of a person is expressed with the speech. Yatsa He explains Rabbi Nachman in this context that the nefesh of a person comes out. The potential comes to actual through speech. Specifically the dibur of prayer. Speech of prayer. So Rav Nosen, Rabbi Nachman's disciple, wrote a book of prayers on Rabbi Nachman's Likutei Moran. Each lesson has a corresponding we present it here two PDF files for everyone to, to you can contact me to get them no problem of a 40 day chart on this lesson 24 with the prayer to do it to say it and learn it and pray it daven it for 40 days straight until you see changes in your life in this area of what we spoke about tonight the simcha the holding on in the ups and downs not giving in to the exchange chambers being strong and positive, knowing how to handle the bounce back properly and not crashing, all these ideas are in this lesson. And the more you daven about it, the more you learn it, the more you see it in your life activated, the healing. In other words, the more simcha you can bring into your life. It's a 40-day challenge. Uh, I dare all of you to, to, to take this challenge on, on yourselves, Bezat Hashem. So here at Son, we should be zochet to be besimcha, because the Pasuk says in the Navi, Ki besimcha tetzeu. Only through joy, besimcha, 
we will get out of our Galut Bezat Hashem and we should strive to trying our best to serve Hashem and do and focus on the Simcha of what we're doing. It's one thing to do things. Okay, I have to do this, I have to rush, I have to get to the mikvah, I have to do Shabbat shopping and all of the clean house. It's one thing to do like things like that. But nothing to do things and to be happy about it. And if I can't be happy, at least I know what I have to work on is to be in the simcha and doing things until we reach a point where mamash, a person is cool about everything in life and he has that simcha, to have the simcha and not to be broken from the false yura, use it to bring us closer to Hashem. Hashem. Thank you so much.